This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get in there! Get him up! Yes! Go! We're talking about Bryce Hub! Bryce Hub with the big bang! This is it! Yes! And welcome back to the Cooler Jets Podcast where it was Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. That was Michael's completely ridiculous over the top, but also completely appropriate reaction to today's game is the Jets just knocked off arguably the best team in all of football, certainly the best team in the AFC, the Buffalo Bills. Michael, what a crazy, chaotic, insane game. I can't believe it. I'm utterly speechless. How are you doing? Well, I've completely lost my voice. Okay. So I'm going to have to steal you a bit. Okay, that's uh, that's copyright infringement right there. Um, I mean, after- no, my voice is good, but okay, the excitement right. level is to a maximum <laughs> right now. I mean, six and three just knocked off the best team in the league, at least in my opinion, coming into this game. And wow, I mean, what what is there even to say? I mean, this this is why you're a fan. This is why you watch games is to experience moments like this one. I mean, man, this is just fun. This is fun. That's all you can say. The fun football team, man. I mean, they're, they're finally fun and, and and they're young and they're just it's just good to enjoy Sundays again, like even when they don't win. And I, I think that's just been kind of my mentality the entire season. It's just like, all right, just enjoy it. At least they're a fun young team and we're not watching like Adam Gase and Brashad Perriman anymore. Um, but this team, man, I mean, we knew they were for real already, but beating the Buffalo Bills in the fashion that they just did today feels like it changes the trajectory of the season a little bit. Do you think that's an overreaction? No, this is a huge momentum changer. I mean, you know, you come into this game and, you know, sort of the mindset, I think, it, it, you know, I definitely expected them to lose. I'll be completely honest. I, I think most fans did. Um, but, you know, the mindset coming into this after you lose that Patriots game is, okay, we're going to go into the bye at five and four, and we're in the mix here. We're, you know, in the playoff hunt, in the wild card hunt, but we've got some things to figure out. You know, we've lost a couple of games here going into the bye, got a tough post by schedule but now i mean this changes the entire outlook and the way you get in the standings obviously is important to have that extra win but just the what it shows for the team's capability to knock off a team like buffalo is a a huge confidence booster after last week's game because you know you lose that game to the patriots coming off the injuries to avt and Brees, and it's fair to start wondering you know how are they going to bounce back from that is this going to be a different team after those losses so to come out there and, you know, without them to and Corey Davis and to be able to beat the best team in the league, the Super Bowl favorites is it shows you that this team as constructed, regardless of who's out, can compete with anyone. That's not to say they'll win every single game, but they are capable of winning any single game. And this uh, this one proves it. So 
Uh, obviously, the win itself is huge. To be six and three puts them in a tremendous position. But just what it, the the confidence you get and their capability from beating a team like this is is massive going into a second half of the season that does have quite a few difficult games on it. So this is, is a huge course changer for the rest of the season. I think the only guy who had the Jets uh, six and three at the bye was the the coin, the coin flip guy, guy. <laughs> <laughs> who's perfect so far. What's his Twitter at? I'll, I'll pull it up so we. Don't, uh, don't get some real copyright infringement. Yeah, we'll have to pull it up. But for anyone who's not familiar with it, some random fan on Twitter prior to the season posted um, his predictions for the season based on doing a coin flip for every single game. He just scribbled it down on a piece of notebook paper, and he is flawless to this point of the season, nine that- for nine. So it is getting very scary. Um, and he has them eventually getting to the AFC championship game and losing there. So if things play out as this guy has it going, I'd I'd be on board. And you know what? That wouldn't be the, I mean, that would be absurd, obviously, but it's not as much of a pipe dream as it it sounded like at the beginning of the year. I'm not saying that anybody should expect the jets to go to the AFC championship, but this win proved that the jets can not only go to the playoffs, but they can win playoff games. And that guy's at nooner nation. So shout out to his coins. Although it does have us uh, losing the next two games after the buy. So that's a little concerning. Um, But man, uh, all the, the noise about last week's game and, and I'll be honest, I, I think, some of it was overblown just because of the position the Jets were in facing the Patriots at home and then just kind of feeling like they gave that game away. Um, but man, what a, I, I think if you had to choose one game uh, out of these uh, out of the Patriots and the Bills game, you know, maybe some fans would have said all oh, the Pats, but beating the Bills at home. It does. I mean, like you said, it feels like it changes the trajectory of the, the season a little bit that, yeah, OK, we knew they were a good team. Yeah, we knew that they could they have the talent to go to the playoffs. But now it's like, all right, at six and three at your bye. And by the way, I love that we get to soak in this this win for the next two weeks. Two weeks. There's nothing, there's nothing so worse good. than than limping into the bye. Um, so we get to we when get was the last weeks. Jets pre bye week win. That's an answer for you, Mr. Numbers. That's true. Um, <laughs> I'm going to look yeah, at it right now. Yeah, you, it does you, not feel like it was recent. But I just the way this defense played today was unbelievable. And the way that Zach Wilson played today, it kind of seems like maybe everybody shouldn't have thrown him under the bus and called him a bust after last week. And we said it on on Friday's pod, or I guess it ended up coming out Saturday. But uh, on our last pod, where it was like, all right, there was certainly plenty of bad from Zach Wilson in that Pats game. But you can't deny that the way he came out in that game was about as good as we've seen him, maybe outside of the Bucks game, but maybe even better. And LaFleur, even if you listen to the broadcast, referred to that as his best half as a New York Jet. And you saw that he looked that something had started to click for him in that game. He was a lot more uh, aggressive and decisive and, and firing it down the field. And then he threw that interception to Ty Johnson and that switch got flipped in the second half. He was second guessing himself. He was more timid. He was he was bailing at the first side of pressure. And so I was very interested to see how he would look in this one. And it was uh, the Jets, LaFleur did a tremendous job in this game, really, you know, working that quick game, passing attack, getting the ball out of his hands. And then when Zach had to make a play, um, you, you felt like those, we didn't see too much of it actually, but if he had to make the deep shot or to to make a play with his legs, which you saw a few times or make a guy miss, it felt more like it was supplementing uh, the Jets offense. And it wasn't the base of the Jets offense. We saw Zach Wilson getting the ball out of his hands quickly on time in rhythm, spreading it around and, and he looked like an NFL quarterback. So uh, I'm, I'm ecstatic. I'm on cloud nine right now. And also I, I kind of want to cash in on some receipts, but I guess I'll, I'll wait for now. So Michael, what'd you, what'd you think of Zach Wilson's performance? No, I, I agree with everything you said. I think this was a tremendous bounce back performance 
for him. And really the most promising part about it is that the way he went about performing in this game is he answered a lot of the questions that we had after the last game. And obviously you need to maintain that for multiple games going forward to really prove it's here to stay. But at least for this one game, he really erased all or the majority of the things that were questionable from that Patriots game. You know, he was very comfortable standing in the pocket. There were multiple plays where there was an oncoming rusher and he trusted that his back or his tight end or someone would make that block. And he just stood in there and made the throws. Uh, There were very few scrambled drill plays. And when he did, he was quick to throw it away and he was quick to take the run option. If it was presented to him, there were multiple good scrambles, especially later in the game uh, that he took. And those are things that you wanted to see him address after this last game. And he did in this one. And I think Mike LaFleur deserves a lot of credit because they really changed up the, the game plan offensively here. It was quick game. It was a lot of RPO. It was just stuff to get him comfortable, keep him in the pocket and kind of eliminate where the trouble has been happening. And that's under pressure, long developing plays outside the pocket plays. And the way the game was called in this one by LaFleur, it took all those things out of the mix. And for now, I think that's the best way for him to play is, is just in rhythm, quick. And you could still see those physical traits show up in that style of offense. You know, some of the screen passes he made in this game, the sidearm releases, uh, using those different arm angles, you could still see it show up in that sort of way. It doesn't always have to be the crazy scrambling play where those special tools allow him to thrive. It, it can happen inside the pocket as well. So I really like the game plan. I think LaFleur kind of saw some of the things that were working and not working over the past few games, just looked at the production, you know, what he's doing inside the pocket and quick passing versus outside and longer developing releases and said, let's work that to our favor and let's get this ball out quickly. Let's keep him in the pocket. And it worked really well today. So, and it's credit obviously to Zach Wilson as well. I really think he watched that film and learned a lot from the mistakes that he made. There was a clear mentality change in this game. In addition to the play calling differences, his mentality was clearly different. Uh, so I really liked his performance. And this is this is what you want to see going forward. Um, I think the explosive stuff and, you know, him putting up hundreds of yards and touchdowns every week and loading up the highlight reels, that's for further down the line. Right now, I think we just want to see him manage the game well, throw from inside the pocket quickly, get, get the ball out quickly, throw with rhythm, good timing, accuracy. Uh, protect the football which he did well for the most part in this game obviously he had had the fumble um, but those have been pretty rare for him the intercept interceptable balls were not there in this game there were pretty much none that were interception worthy obviously there was the one by Uzama that could have been picked off but probably probably wasn't probably wasn't an interception (laughs) but that wasn't Zach's fault at all it was a good throw and just got knocked out of Uzama's hand so the interception worthy throws weren't there and I think that uh, that's the key so for me this is the Zach Wilson I want to see for the rest of this season, at least for the next few games, as he settles down and kind of establishes the type of quarterback he needs to be for this specific team right now with the way they're playing defense and the way that they're running the ball, at least in this game. Uh, so this, this is why I want to see establish that base of comfort and that rhythm and that quick, t- quick release and that uh, good rhythm within the offense. I think this is the best version of him right now. And as he gets comfortable uh, with that, then I think, you know, maybe later this season or going to next season, that's when he can build off that and really unleash the more full version of his game. But right now, I think this is what you want to see from him. So fantastic performance. And I like the poise as well. Jets get down quickly. 
And there, he really didn't panic and didn't try to do too much. He stayed within the offense and continued to make the throws that were asked of him and, you know, not try to do too much. So um, really nice performance from him in this game. Yeah. And we had a two and a half hour podcast that came out on Saturday and we spent probably what, like an hour and 15 minutes talking about Zach. And one of the things that we talked about towards the end of that was his development and in terms of the way that he that the that he approached the Green Bay and Denver game and the way that he approached the Patriots game, obviously the Jets won the Packers and Broncos games and they lost the, the Pats game. In large part, they lost that Pats game because of the turnovers that Zach had. But we said in terms of Zach developing as a quarterback, you need him to keep being aggressive like he was in that Pats game. That doesn't mean forcing things and having those lazy interceptions, but being decisive, not being timid, trusting his eyes, firing it downfield and that to me was how, you know, not only would he develop as a quarterback, but how the Jets could end up winning games without Brees Hall and AVT that without AVT and without Brees Hall, you couldn't really win too many games. Zach is, is playing the way that he did against Denver and green Bay. And like you said, it doesn't mean that he has to play crazy. It was a lot of quick game stuff. It wasn't like he um, had to necessarily play hero ball today, but he was being decisive. He was throwing the ball down the field. Wow. That connection with Garrett Wilson looked good today. Um, I mean, you just have to be really ecstatic with, with how Zach Wilson responded to all the adversity that, that he faced this week, which was definitely overblown, but it wasn't like there wasn't real criticism to take out of that Pats game. I mean, there was some real legitimate stuff, and and I think that he answered the bell in a lot of those ways in this game. Just when the pocket was collapsing, his ability to step up and and, and fire it in there, he did that a, a number of times today. Even when CBS shows the, the stats of like, oh, here are his stats against pressure and here are his stats – uh, not under pressure. We talked about this too on Saturday. A lot of the times he's creating that right, pressure, right? Like, like a guy might get beat. Um, but if, if you fire it out and the, the ball leaves the hands when it's supposed to, that doesn't really count much as, as pressure. A lot of times, like one guy would get beat. Like you saw this a lot last week, like Dwayne Brown would get beat and then he would exasperate the issue instead of just stepping up, let the, the edge rusher run around the arc. And then you have another chance at, at things. I think you saw that a lot more today. I really yeah, like yeah, quickly. I'm glad yeah, you mentioned that graphic. Cause when I saw it, I, I thought the same thing, you know, they show that graphic and it still is the same disparity to where, you know, he's clean. He's got these great numbers. He's pressured. It's like two for five, 10 yards or whatever it is. But what was more important to me when I saw that is the fact that there was only five of those pressured passes versus 16 or whatever it ended up being by the end of this game. And the offensive line played great credit to them. Um, but a lot of that is on Zach Wilson for just playing within the offense, getting the ball out quickly so he can protect himself and allow um, you know, himself to make those clean pocket throws. So offensive line has obviously a lot of you know pressure or responsibility for the pressure that's on the quarterback. But the quarterback also is the guy with the ball in his hand. So he's the one who's ultimately dictating how much time the defense has to get there. So in this game, I think Zach Wilson did a great job of protecting himself by getting the ball out quickly. And then when the pressure did come there, uh, when the pressure did come in, he did a nice job of mitigating it and not making the problem worse than it had to be. Yeah. And I just like, you know, he showed that toughness, you know, and, and even on the play that uh, on the last drive, which totally should have been a helmet to helmet. And we're, we'll go through chronologically here in a little bit um, to kind of go through this game. But that, on that last drive, I think you saw a lot of growth from him, even though that he didn't have to do too much in that drive. I mean, the Jets were just running the ball down the Bills throat on that drive. But you had the money third down throw and catch to Denzel Mims, who, by the way, is, is really starting to look like somebody you, you might be able to rely on going forward. Like, I think after his rookie year, people were penciling him as, OK, he's a receiver of the Jets future. And then after last year, it's like, all right, I guess he's uh, a bum who might not even make the team. And 
you know, just the way that Denzel has showed up this, you can see he looks physically, he looks a lot different. Denzel looks bigger and he looks faster and he's playing with a different mentality. He's not hot dogging on routes. His body language isn't, isn't bad. I know he had the one penalty after the whole sky cam gate or whatever, but Mim showed up and then, uh, you know, continuing on the Zach stuff um, on that second down, when he decided to take off and use his legs, actually, I think it was a design option, but like, yeah, he lowered his shoulder. He went forward. I mean, he, he just displayed some parts of, of quarterbacking that maybe we haven't necessarily seen as much of him. I love how much more he used his legs today. I mean, he's such a natural athlete and he has such an ability to make guys miss that it's always infuriating when he passes up on, on even just easy four or five yards. Uh, and it adds a different threat. You know, I, you brought that, 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 play, uh, that point up on Saturday, um, which I thought was a great point, which was when Zach does use his legs, especially in those scramble drills, it's going to force corners to think about coming down and linebackers to think about coming down and stopping him. And that might open up some passing lanes, but Zach has refused to take off with the ball. And so nobody's really respecting his running ability, but if Zach Wilson ran a lot more, he's one of the most athletic quarterbacks in the league. And I think, yeah, did he have a a big explosive touchdown run like Josh Allen today? No, but he kept the jets alive with his legs. Um, It didn't, the hero ball scramble drill stuff wasn't the basis of his offense. It was the quick, game stuff and then if Zach had to make a play with his legs he did I I was really blown away with with the Zach on the floor performance today um and, and the rookies man I mean not just not just Garrett Wilson um but the rookies as a whole if you go to the defensive side of the ball I know Sauce got burned on the first play of the game a little bit I'm not sure what, what happened I mean we have to go back and rewatch it I can't tell if they were in cover three and he was trying to peek on the flat and he just kind of got caught flat-footed because, or was he in man there? We got to go back and, and watch that. But then Jermaine Johnson with a hell of a sack. Was that in the third quarter? Um, just, I mean, he shows up. So the Jets definitely get another rookie of the week belt um, between between Garrett, Sauce, and Jermaine. I mean, it'll probably be Sauce, right? Who do, who do you think it'll be? Yeah, I mean, Sauce will probably be on there because of the interception. Um, and he also had the great play at the end of the game. He'll probably be on there. I mean, did Johnson get anything in addition to that sack? Because he's going to need the numbers to get on that voting sheet. I think he had a big, I think he had a nice plan. I think he had, I saw him make a few plays, but on the stat sheet. I, if he's sure. on there, Jets fans will vote for him just to make sure we bounce it out. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay. If we get your man on the ballot, sorry, sauce, we got to spread the wealth here. Well, it looks like he just got that one in the one sack in the stat sheet. So I don't know if he'll be on there, but either way, I agree with you. That was an elite play. I mean, when you see Josh Allen in that position against a defensive lineman, you're like, all right, chalk it up 10 yard scramble. But man, that play was tremendous in the open field. Not a lot of edge defenders who can make that play. I mean, uh, you just, the, the, the young baby jets just making plays after plays and, and obviously not just this class, that 2021 class, Elijah Moore, another zero catch game, certainly got a little bit more cardio in today. He was on the field a lot more. What did you think about their usage of, uh, uh, of, of the receivers today? I, I, I have to say just maybe just from a, from a having like young, highly picked guys out there. I love the feeling when I look and I see the Jets receivers are, are Mims, Wilson and, and more. It's just a cool, I, I think we just had so many years where we were watching like, who are some horrible Jets receivers that we had to watch starting? Like Chris Terrell, Hogan, Terrell Pryor, <laughs> yeah, like Chris Hogan. Um, I'm trying to think of Darnold's receiver. I mean, he had Deontay the Burnett, Andre <laughs> Roberts. Like, and then you look out there and you see two second round picks and a first round pick, all of whom outside of Elijah Moore making plays. And I don't know, man. It's just it feels different watching this team. They respond to adversity a lot differently. But not not to get too far ahead of myself. What do you, you think of the the uh, the receiver usage today? And maybe just Lafleur as a whole. 
Well, first of all, I just like Garrett Wilson being featured because this guy needs the, the football in his hands, however, however you can get it to him. Um, just it seems like he always finds a way to make the initial defender miss. And that's not something you say a lot about receivers. You know, sometimes they'll say it about running backs, but it seems like whoever's covering him, he shakes him off immediately and gets extra yards. Just he's so elusive with the ball. And then just the catch radius that he has, some of the catches he made in this one, even if Wilson didn't or Zach Wilson didn't throw the most perfect ball of all time, you know, he would contort back to it a little bit or he would reach and pluck it. Uh, so just his ability to snag some of those imperfect passes is really helpful. It makes the quarterback look good um, because, you know, not every receiver is capable of making all those catches. They, they can catch the balls that are well thrown to them, but they're not capable of getting those lower percentage catches. And I think that's what Garrett Wilson does really well. That in, in addition to his yak ability and his separation speaks for itself. He's great at getting open. So I love the fact that he's been featured the past two weeks, you know, especially with Brees Hall off, you know, out of action right now, you need a new focal point of the offense. And I think Garrett Wilson's got to be that guy. So last two weeks, great to see him featured. Um, Mims got plenty of reps in this game. He had some big blocks, especially on that last drive where the Jets were just pounding the ball down Buffalo's throats. Um, Elijah Moore is interesting. You know, he, he definitely played a lot more in this game than the previous game. And, you know, it's not like he wasn't featured in, in the concepts. So he had a lot of those orbit motions. So, you know, he was definitely getting, like you said, a lot of good cardio and running a lot of, you know, real world miles, even if he didn't gain, gain any football miles. Um, but, you know, he was out there and he was involved in some of these plays and we'll have to take a look back at it. It, it did seem like there were some times where he was open and could, could have gotten the football. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It will be interesting to see how that plays out because, you know, like I said, he was definitely out there in this game. And it seemed like there were some ideas built in for him because it's not like he was just running clear outs like he was at the beginning of the year. Uh, he was in the slot. He was running a lot of motion. So we'll see what happens. I think there will come a time where he's going to start getting more involved in this offense. But, you know, time does continue dragging on. He keeps putting up zero. So it is a very odd situation. Definitely something that none of us expected prior to the year. But I, I think at the same time, it is a cool thing that, you know, the Jets are winning games and they're moving the football. And this guy who a lot of us thought was going to be the best player on the team, I, I thought he was going to be potentially the best player on the team this year. Um, this guy is just sitting around, hasn't done anything in a while. So imagine if you could get him going, what it could do for this offense. So uh, the Jets have, you know, a ticking time bomb there. Just a guy, a very talented player waiting to explode. And we'll see if they can figure out a way to start getting him the football some more. Yeah, it'll be fascinating to see what the receiver usage looks like when Corey Davis comes back. And, and also what the tackle situation will be like, considering Max Mitchell and George Fant should both be uh, back after that bye. I mean, who who plays left tackle, who plays right tackle? You, you imagine they probably stick with Dwayne Brown at left tackle. And then Mitchell's a guy who has some long-term, uh, potentially some long-term ability with this team. So maybe they plug him in at right tackle, but Fant. It had such a good year last year. Who knows? That's a problem for, for next week's podcast. But uh, uh, but man, I mean, I'm so glad that we get two weeks to soak this one in. And also, you know what else I'm glad about? Like, obviously, last week was such a bummer. But I'm glad they get the Patriots right after the bye. Because yeah. sometimes when you have like a big win like this, a big emotional upset win, especially going into a bye and you kind of get to rest in your laurels a little bit for two weeks, then you go and play like what, like the Bears or the Jags or something, and you you might lose one, like a little trap game. Guarantee you the Jets aren't walking into Gillette uh, 
with a trap game. I mean, they're, they're going to walk in there angry uh, with something to prove because they know they let that game uh, last week uh, slip away from them. So I'm, I'm happy uh, for that, I guess. Um, all right, let's, let's go through some, some chronological, uh, chronologically, obviously there's so much we want to get into and we haven't really talked about the defensive guys too much. Um, but this was just such a weird, chaotic, crazy game. I mean, it was fun to watch. If I wasn't a fan of, uh, of the jets, I would have had a good time watching this game as a fan of the Jets. This was very like, stressful. Oh this is the most stressful game I've watched this year because it just got to a point where, uh, I mean, and we'll, and we'll get through it, but early on, I wasn't too optimistic with how things were playing out. But once that third quarter started to get going or, or once the Jets really closed that first half, I was like, we really got a shot at this. So I was getting nervous because like it was such a, a golden opportunity that I didn't want to see them squander, but, you know, eventually played out. But it was, this was as stressful as, of a game as I've watched this year. I, I th- wonder if other Jets fans kind of have this feeling because I texted you this. I didn't want I almost tweeted it out. And I was like, don't jinx it. But I woke up today and I was just kind of like, I don't know, I feel like the Jets are going to win this game. And I think seeing Milano being out definitely was big. And obviously, look, Bills fans are going to try to act like, oh, well, they didn't have Milano and they didn't have Poyer and Hyde's out or whatever. But yeah, and the Jets don't have their two best players on offense. And they lost a number of players in this game. I think all of them came back except for Sheldon Rankins. But oh, and, and also three offensive tackles on IR. So it's like, all right, Bills fans can make the injury excuse all they want, but the Jets have certainly uh, taken a few arrows themselves. And the fact that they laid out this type of performance, uh, I mean, I, I want to get into the defense and what they just did to argue the best offense in the NFL, but let's go chronologically here. Yeah. Woke up. I felt good about this game. Um, and then, then you see Braden man slip on the opening kickoff. Quickly like, before right. we get into it, let's talk about pregame mindset a little bit. Cause this was interesting. We were discussing it before this game. Cause I know you were telling me, throughout the day that you kind of had a feeling they were going to win this. And I was telling you, no, I don't think they're going to win. And I definitely did not. I predict, I think I said 20 to nine on our podcast. I um, Can I just say, I, I ended yeah. up predicting, uh, just, I'm not going to try to act like I, I fully predicted Jets win. Cause on the last pod, I said 28, 13 bills, but I did right. say 10 to 14 at halftime. So my first half prediction was right. And we got, I had the random prediction sauce garden interception, which hit. And then originally it was trick play which would have hit and then, but we changed it to non quarterback pass, which we would have had, but Garrett Wilson tried to do his best Holy roller impression, um, which was part of the wackiness from today. But yeah, the pregame mindset, I mean, I don't know. I just felt like last week they showed that they were definitely a good team that they're for real, but they blew it. They let it, they let it go. You know, it wasn't like they, they got blown out by the Pats last week and they kind of limped into this game. It was like, all right, the defense showed out last week and the offense looked good in the first half. And then Zach kind of threw the game away. And so it was a really frustrating game and it, it left you with a pit in your stomach, not just because the opponent and all the guys, all the Jets fans who showed up out there, but you're just like, man, losing that type of game could really cost you towards the end of the year, especially considering this is going to, this Buffalo game is most likely a loss. Um, but there was just, I don't know. I just had this weird feeling. I was like, all right, I think they're going to show up angry, something to prove. And yeah, the, the, I mean, look, Milano being out was big, but the, I mean, this Jets team just showed they're for real. I mean, I, they were not getting any respect all week. Uh, what were they, 12 and a half point underdogs? It was like, if any, I understand the Jets haven't maybe played the best quarterbacks in the league this season outside of Aaron Rodgers, but I mean, this defense is for real. There's there's yeah. no there's no doubt about it. This defense is is one of the best in the league and, and has certainly played like maybe the best in the league the last few weeks. Is, is that is that hyperbole? Which, by the way, I think hyperbole is my most used word on this podcast. Yeah, I have some favorite words as well. I could definitely go through it and pick a few. Definitely is one. I just use that. 
Um, but no, well, I agree. And, and, oh, then also doing the what, what was it we talked about last week where it's like the yeah, no or no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think <laughs> we were talking about that. Like a lot of times I'll start a sentence like where I agree with something, but I'll say no. Yeah. Like <laughs> I don't understand what the purpose of the no is. And I know a lot of people do that, actually. Uh, I hear that used quite frequently. The No. Yeah. So I don't really understand why we're putting that in there. But yes, I do agree with you. This <laughs> since week four this has been one of the best defenses in the league absolutely and you know competition has been great but now you throw this game in i mean competition doesn't get any better than that and so this is going to win them a lot of points in terms of you know the performance of your unit versus the quality of the competition you face you can't ask for tougher competition than the number two scoring team in the league the number one offense in terms of yards per game number one offense in terms of passing yards per attempt does not get any harder than that and this is the second fewest point or actually the fewest points the bills have scored all season so last you know six games they've definitely been one of the best defenses if not the best in the league but yeah quickly on my pregame mindset like i said didn't think they're gonna win but kind of like these things just kept piling in both uh today here on sunday and on saturday like little pieces that were kind of building up to like "Mm, maybe maybe uh so the first thing i saw was I was just looking at some of Zach Wilson's statistical splits and I realized he had these amazing or much better numbers versus two high coverages than single high coverages. And I was like, wait, don't the bills play a lot of that? And it turns out they do play the most of that in the league. Then you consider the backup safeties were in, there's no Poyer. Then he throw in on Sunday, Matt Milano's ruled out Spencer Brown. They're starting right tackles ruled out. And I'm like, this is kind of adding up to a really good opportunity to steal this win still didn't think it would happen but i was kind of getting a hunch that they had a greater chance than i initially thought but uh but yeah this game still shattered my expectations so i guess let's hop into it and start from the beginning i mean what did you think when this game started out with oh my Braden man watching a kickoff <laughs> and then sauce gardner getting toasted on the first offensive play yeah, that's like our classic. If if the kick if the opening kickoff doesn't go well, like if there's a a, a bad penalty. Yeah, usually it's the penalty that's it, that sends the signal. The penalty, or if the Jets are receiving and they just get decked at their own ten yard line, it's just like, uh oh, today's gonna be a long one. And so yeah, to go from that to Sauce getting burnt, not necessarily sure what happened on that play. Was uh, was that? I, I, we have to go back and watch it. But was that was he in cover three there? And then he tried to buy yeah, the flat. I saw the replay like once. I'd have to look at it again. I think there was definitely some element of. Uh, you know, kind of botching the assignment more so than getting beat. There's some element of that, but right. I also think Diggs definitely got him to bite pretty hard there. So we'll watch it again, but, you know, still not the greatest moment from him. But uh, he certainly rebounded with definitely. the rest of the game. But, uh, and even on the interception that Whitehead gets, watch Sauce on that play because Allen wants to hit, I don't know if it was Davis or Diggs uh, in the corner of the end zone, but if you watch Sauce on how, and you can, we can only see the broadcast, so you can't tell the whole the whole story, but I was watching him and the way he plays, it looks perfectly. And so Allen just gets off of it and looks for his check down immediately. And then you get the Jordan Whitehead interception, which just looks like a bonehead pick and certainly a huge break for the Jets because like you said, that should have been a scoring drive. And if they score there, who knows how this game turns out, but they get the stop there. And then, you know, Zach on that first deep, deep bomb to Denzel Mims, I was pretty confident that he was going to have a. Yeah, when, a, when I saw that, a, a I was like, are, that. like, despite that being incomplete, I was like, that's a good sign right there. You know, yeah. just that the was, way, just the fact that he stood in there and took that shot. And it really was a good throw. Just Mims yeah. kind of got caught up. He dove, you know, at the top of the route wasn't, didn't match what Zach, I think, expected when he threw it. That is good placement i just like the fact that he stood in there and the the process of throwing that ball 
being poised in the pocket was encouraging. Well, they had that report from Rappaport that came out pregame where it was like uh, Wilson had a was slinging it on Friday and they're they're happy with his mentality this week and the Jets are going to really try to push him to throw downfield in this one. And I mean, outside of the mim shot, we actually he had some downfield throws. I shouldn't act like he was. I mean, he had some some ones to Garrett Wilson, but in terms of like true nine routes, throwing it, you know, 40, 50 yards down the field, I think that was the only big shot he took unless I'm spacing. Um, but he certainly was aggressive attacking down the field to Garrett Wilson. And there's like 20, 25 yard plays um, all day. So yeah, they have that uh, obviously incomplete and the Jets go three and out. Uh, but I, I still was feeling good about Zach's performance early in the game before that touchdown drive came just because he looked confident. He didn't look timid. Um, and, you know, look, I think the bills, they're just so hard to defend, especially when they get into that two minute offense, because it's essentially just like, the play is an Allen deep shot with the check down. And it's pretty much just goes, okay, if, the, if Allen's either going to take the deep shot, if it's covered, he'll just take the check down. And normally they can just run that. But if the check down's covered, then Allen runs and normally he gets the first down. So it's like on any given play, they just have deep shot or a check down or an Allen run. And it's likely positive. And it's, it, it's so hard to defend. And just the way the Jets played them all day. I mean, they had him, they had him seeing ghosts out there. So what did you think about the start of the game and, and the way the Jets defense kind of came after Allen? I know they gave up those two touchdowns, but I still thought they had some, some good moments early on. Yeah. I mean, to start out, it definitely was, uh, you know, to be honest, I definitely thought it was going to be the type of game where they didn't necessarily shut the bills down, but maybe they would keep up with them. And I think the most promising thing was they definitely had a nose for the football early on. You know, you start out with that interception by Whitehead and then the next drive, uh, Josh Allen had a fumble that luckily he, he recovered for Buffalo. But uh, just the fact that you're able to that quickly get your hands on a pick and then force a fumble, that's a good sign. And we knew the Jets were going to need takeaways to win this game, to be able to make up that talent gap against a significantly better team. And we also knew that the Bills are a team that are prone to giving the football away. They came into this game with the sixth most turnover, turnovers per game in the league. So it was something that we knew the Jets would have to take advantage of. So the fact that they quickly were able to show that nose for the football was promising uh, despite Buffalo's early success. But I will be completely honest when Allen just took a third and two run to the house for 36 yards, I was not confident with the way this game was going to go, but the defense from that point on just really, really settled down. Yeah. I, I think that uh, just the, the, the way their pass rush was getting home, Early on, and maybe wasn't getting home as much. It seems like they were really trying to maybe not sell out and let Allen get those rushing lanes. But surely, as the game went on, the defensive line just woke up. And and not to get too out of uh, out of order because there's this game was just a weird, wacky, chaotic game. Which is like, yeah, okay, let's think of some of the the, the craziness that happened in this game. Uh, and feel free to just to shout them out. We had yeah. the, the man slipping on the the opening kickoff. We had the sky cam incident. The sky had, cam, <laughs> I mean, which was oh my god, that was just horseshit. It was, I was so frustrating. I, as as that started to drag on, it's like this is of course, of course, this is going to happen. The Jets are going to build momentum. They got one of their best drives going, and quite in you know in the past few weeks, and of course, someone's got to knock the sky cam down or whatever and kill the momentum i knew something bad was going to happen after that and it did so i knew this was going to be the sky cam game from there or at least i thought that's what it was going to be we, well, we were yeah. look back and like oh the sky cam if that didn't fall what, well, what would happen it, not only did it mess up the jets rhythm but it totally gave the bills defense a rest and then it's like mims gets the penalty right out of the gates and yeah that that was the uh the fumble yeah, yeah. I, Somehow, I will say though yeah go ahead i was gonna say well 
somehow the Jets didn't fall on that fumble. And there's been uh, multiple. Way he, he had a great shot at it. Offensively and defensively, this team cannot fall on a fumble to save its life. Even the one at the end of the game where Bryce Huff strips it. Uh, look, I mean, JFM was a few yards away, so you can't get too mad. But it's like, it seems like they just don't know where the ball is sometimes. Or a lot of times they'll die. I mean, look, Garrett Wilson recovered his own fumble. Uh, in a brilliant way and completely sacrificed himself because his head, his helmet comes off. And it's like, I, I, you know, grimaced for a second. Cause I thought he was about to just take a helmet, the headshot. Um, luckily he didn't. Um, but outside of that though, this entire season, they've struggled falling on fumbles. I don't know what they have to do. Maybe bring out the old Rex Ryan drill where they dunk the ball in waters and, and water and roll them out in the, on the field. I, I don't know what they have to do, but they got to start f- capitalizing on, on some of the, the forced fumbles. Oh yeah. I mean, however you practice that, I think it would have to be like an individual thing. Cause if you got guys going at it, there's too much injury risk. So I don't know, maybe, you know, hose down, okay, an I'm area not a coach. Grass, get it, you know, get, create a muddy area to get some unpredictability with the bounce and just have tear, guys, some, tear some ACLs. Yeah. Tear some ACLs. Like, a couple guys get hurt. It's worth it. If you recover one fumble. So, well, what I was going to say is that I think one of the silver linings of the sky cam break was that it, Definitely was leaving Josh Allen on the sideline for quite a long time. I mean, by then the Jets are already over six minutes into their opening drive of the second half. And, you know, by then he had already been on the, the sideline for a long time. Then you had this and I was like, you know, he's getting pretty cold over there. And lo and behold, the Bills get four drives after that point, And they only score three points on those first one interception. Then they get the field goal drive, then punt. And obviously the final drive of the game. So I think it did kind of help them in that way, but definitely killed the Jets momentum at that point too. Or some of the other wack- wacky moments from this. I mean, Quinn Williams almost getting seriously injured. Without that was even- just, that was so frustrating. Like they were playing pretty well at that point. It's like, of course, Quinn Williams just gets KO'd by his own brother on the sidelines. Yeah, just he's not even the in. Game. Just that is the most Jets thing ever. Uh, but it's that that's one of the big differences this season. All of these, you know, quote unquote Jets moments aren't really happening as much. Like you said, opening kickoff blunder is usually the greatest indicator of a messy game to come. But that's wasn't the case in this game. And Quinn Williams getting taken out on the sidelines, very Jets thing. He pops right up, gets back in the game and keeps creating pressure, causing havoc. So. And multiple players who got hurt in this game came back in. DJ Reed, CJ Mosley, Garrett Wilson. So Zach. Zach, I, I forgot about that. I forgot. That was so frustrating. It's like, we're really going to have to watch Mike White. But no, Zach Wilson gets up and comes back in. So, yeah, a lot of these. Part of me, part of me. Yeah. Part of me was thinking, like, when Zach went down, I was like, oh, here comes the Mike White game. Here he's going to come in and win. Because I was like, this offense is cooking. Early. I didn't really think that at all. I, I was expecting him to be bad. He had four interceptions against the same yeah, team last year. But, <laughs> but, but, but the Jets offense is completely different. So, and, and I just, the, the receivers are getting open. The floor was in his back bag early i was like i wasn't buying i was regardless zach was gonna be this was but but the way that they played in this game plan was kind of like the perfect this this similar game plan to what they used with mike white against cincinnati mike white doesn't get those scrambles that wilson got no i hey i'm I'm not okay i'm not not conflating the two i'm just saying that the fact that the quick passing game does benefit mike white too but uh regardless we didn't have to watch that we got to see zach have his have his moment in the sun and and really a complete game from zach from start to finish which we haven't seen too much of but yeah there's a lot of uh, i don't know if it's the turf at metlife i don't know what's wrong but a lot of weird it, tackles wilson or garrett wilson had a lot of kind of came down oh, awkwardly a few oh, times yeah. like on his knees it's like what Ugh, that looked ugly yeah no so, and it, there's a lot of those today also but, another another weird moment uh well not weird but a pivotal moment is that end of half bills drive in the first half i mean defense didn't play that all too well 
they let the Bills come right down and into field goal range in less than 30 seconds. But luckily, Bass misses that 55-yard field goal. And, yeah. you know, quickly to touch on that, another typical Jets thing that's not happening anymore, the Jets are winning games because their kicker is out kicking the other kicker. That is happening. You know, it happened well, in Denver. Last you know, week didn't. Last week didn't. But in Denver, you know, Greg Zerline outkicks McManus. And then this week, Zerline comes through with the 50-plus field goal, and the Bills kicker doesn't. And it ends up being a three-point game. So for the most part, Greg Zerline has been winning the Jets games this year. I mean, you go back to the Cleveland game. Uh, there are multiple wins this year that past Jets kickers might have choked away. But Greg Zerline, for the most part this year, has been very strong. Specials as a whole, man. Special teams wins you game. Outside the of the Bills... kickoff, just take that. Well, but but the Bills kicked a, a kickoff right out of bounds. Yeah, that is, that uh, as well. Yeah, and to your earlier point, I mean, that is kind of the big difference between this team and other Jets teams is we're just so scarred as a fan base that it constantly, there's all of these little moments in all of these games. Pretty much, I think every single game the Jets have won this season, there's been one of those moments where, where something goes wrong and you just feel like, oh, there it is. Here we go. Same old Jets. It's going to happen. And this team just is mentally tough. They, they, deal with adversity well they've dealt with adversity plenty of adversity this season and they they fought through and they really are a fourth quarter team i mean that starts mentally it starts i'm sure with some of the rotation on defensive line they always look like the fresher team come fourth quarter but just this team's ability to handle adversity or when things get tough or they don't let things snowball as much as they have in, in years past. And, and I think you have, we've had enough of a sample size of, of this happening. I mean, let's just think about, I mean, first of all, starting with the, the insane Cleveland comeback, um, which, you know, maybe it was a bit of a fluke, but still, I mean, they, they still had to rise to the occasion. Uh, the Steelers come back in the fourth quarter. Um, and, and that was a game that they kind of felt like they, they choked away a little bit going into halftime. Uh, the Dolphins game, they, they kept it close. It was 17 to 19. There were a few moments in that game, Michael. We watched that one together where I had to give you a little pep talk. I was like, we're still in this thing. Come on. And then they blew it open in the fourth quarter. Uh, the, the Packers game, there was a number of missed opportunities in that game where you just felt like, oh, they're going to give it away. The Broncos game when they when Brees and AVT go down and there plenty of blown opportunities. So it's like every single game and every single win, there's been those moments where you just feel like, oh, here it is. And sure, okay, the, the Pats game, you had the uh, the roughing the passer that brought back the pick six, and that was the moment, and the Jets couldn't really come back from that. But aside from that, they've they've rung, they've answered the bell every single time they face adversity this season. And it, you have to be thrilled with, with Robert Sala halfway through his second season. Uh, I think, you know, anybody who listened to him and paid attention to this team, it was hard not to buy into what he was saying, but until you see it on the field, uh, where it's just hard to 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 fully believe it, uh, to believe that the Jets can have one of the best cultures in sports and 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 can be a a successful winning organization. Um, and last year didn't things didn't go too well in the start of this season. There were some question marks, but uh, there's there's no denying that at the bye, this team uh, and the the difference from from where they are this year, not only to to last year, but going back to the Gase years. I mean, just they finally feel like they're playing NFL football, which I know sounds like a low bar, but it seems like we've watched so many Jets teams where it's like, we see, we see these games where they, where they play like the chiefs or the bills. And it just looks like they're not even playing the same sport. And, and just the way that they played today was, was uh, unbelievable. And the D let's just, I, I guess, I mean, do we, we want to move chronologically here. How do you want to do this? I mean, the, we want to talk about the defense here because they really deserve a, a lot of praise. Uh, where should we go here next, Michael? I, I guess quickly we can run through because we kind of touched on a lot of stuff. So we can quickly kind of go through how the second half played out. 
and then kind of focus more okay yeah individually so i mean we we touched on that opening drive to start the second quarter that was really impressive that was the point where i felt like zach wilson was truly settling in because he, he had a solid first half um but that uh opening drive of the second half was very much him you know that was a lot of great reads quick releases accurate throws you know i'm looking at the play-by-play right here you know he hits the 19 yards to wilson a couple plays later pass to uzama and then later on he's a couple he's a big scramble uh to get the jets in business actually a couple scrambles on this drive so or, yeah he had the one scramble then he had a couple of passes in addition to that but this was the one where it really felt like he started cooking um, and then obviously it didn't turn out well at the end, but the way that, that, uh, that drive went, despite the jets giving it back to the bills, you felt like the offense could keep up and it just came down to whether the defense can make the adjustments they needed to make. And that's a position I think anyone would sign up for because the defense is what you felt confident about coming into this game. It was can Zach Wilson and the offense make plays against this bill's defense, especially with some of the losses they had injury injury wise to, uh, kind of open up more windows so uh, yeah that first drive second half didn't end well but it was definitely a confidence booster with the way that they're moving that ball and in the, then when sauce makes that interception what what did you feel oh. at that point because when he made that pick i was like all right now we are officially in business this is really a football game at that I, point. at that at that moment i was kind of regretting not going to met life yeah because i thought about it i really did and then this morning I woke up and I was looking, I was like, all right, let's just see how much is a ticket out there. And I was like, do I, do I want to spend $150 and go out there and, and the whole day is at MetLife? And I, and I really, honestly, I did, but I was like, you know what, if they win, I'll be happy and I won't really care. Um, and if they lose and I burned $150 on it, I'd be pretty mad. So I was like, you know what, let's just, I'll just, I'll just stay in my apartment and, and ruin all of my neighbor's peaceful Sunday by screaming like a maniac. Um, and yeah, when, oh, when sauce picked that off, I was, that's that's really when I started to get loud. I think I contained myself, but when Sauce got that pick, um, he's just so cool, man. He's just so freaking cool. Like I just can't believe we have a player like that. We have a a a guy. This is definitely not the way you want to frame this, but like a guy who could be on the cover of Madden. <laughs> like yeah. they have like a, a marketable, sick, really cool, top of the line player, and really kind of feels like the first one that they've had, especially homegrown um, since what Revis. Like, yeah, for sure. It has to be since Revis, right? Um, because you know, like Marshall had that amazing year, but he wasn't a jet. I mean, they just signed him. So look, I mean, it's early into Sauce's career, but what he's done so far, and even just how he responded after the first play of the game didn't go his way. Um, I mean, he's undoubtedly a top five corner in this league already as a rookie, and definitely could see him being the best corner in football. But by the end of the season, like that's not how that's here it comes my favorite word again. That's not hyperbole. I mean the way that he's playing and the guys that he's matching up with. And, and I know that it, what do you think that that was kind of one of the weird things too, is they had, they for seemed like for a little bit that they switched the, the corner positions. Then all of a sudden sauce was playing. He normally plays left corner and replays right corner. They switched them. I don't, well, I don't sauce was on the right side, even on that last play. Yeah. So what, what do you think was going on there? Do you think they were just trying to match sauce and Davis because those are the two kind of more physical players and then keep, uh, digs and and uh and and read because those are kind of the smaller shift you guys like what do you think was the thought process there yeah that was interesting i definitely started noticing that in the second quarter i think i was like reed is on the left side over here where's sauce and then he's over there on the right side and really just not getting targeted since uh after that first play of the game uh, i don't know what the thought process was there i'd have to look and see what the bills tend to do with you know gabe davis and stefan Diggs 
regarding side of the field because most teams don't put their receivers on the same side of the field for the whole game because you know defenses will do that for corners but receivers it's more about strength of the formation or you know which side is the field side because you know it's different to where you know if you're on the right side of the field and the ball goes on the right hash you know sometimes you want a receiver to play on the field side which is the side with more space and then you play one of the receiver on uh, on the boundary side which is the side that the football is on the side of the hashes so it's more like that than it is left versus right so i'd have to look and see you know do the bills actually you know put gabe davis on the left more often and so they want sauce to be matching up with him so I don't know. That was interesting. I don't think they were traveling too much. It was really just they flipped the side. So I'd be curious to hear what the thought process was. You know, if Sala or Ulbrich gets asked about that this week. Yeah, I, I don't. I I think the the one thing you could say for sure about this Jets defense is that we all kind of owe Jeff Ulbrich an apology, including yes. myself. I think uh, we were very harsh on Ulbrich after uh, I think the Bengals game. Um, also, was that also the same week where he had the comment about Quinn and Williams, like being gassed on the sidelines. And it was just like, Oh God. I mean, we know that Robert Sala was the defensive architect of, of that vaunted Niners defense the last few years. And it was like, all right, well, Ulbrich came from Atlanta and, you know, and, and this jets defense was the worst in the league last year. And okay. I thought they looked all right against Baltimore for a half, but then the, the, the doors blew open and they didn't really do great against Cleveland until that last drive. And then the Bengals game wasn't that great. So he faced a lot of adversity and, and a lot of criticism. And then since that moment, I mean, this defense has been legit under Ulbrich and, and after stopping arguably the best offense in football, you, you can't even make any uh, qualifications about like the quarterbacks they're facing or anything like that. I mean, this is, uh, I love how, uh, how the Jets are mixing it. You know, I think that the thing that when I would watch the Jets last year and early in the season, it just felt like they were almost like too vanilla or too predictable. And it just, there were open guys all over the place and the, the, the four man rush wasn't getting home and there was always somebody open. And, and this unit, the last few weeks of the season have just been playing as one. And I think you can really see that, that when, you know, maybe they give up a first down, but five Jets swarmed to the ball bring that carrier down hard tackle. And then they reset first down and they're tough as nails again. And it's just really hard to move the ball against this jets defense. And, and then they, they, they have the ability to create those explosives. And I know we're moving chronologically here, but man, Bryce Huff is just such a weapon for this team uh, in terms of his pass rush ability. And, and I hope we see even more of him, honestly, because every time he's on the field, he makes plays. And so the fact that they have him and Carl and JFM and, and Jermaine Johnson and uh, Vinnie Curry, I mean, the depth that this team has at, at, at pass rusher uh, is legit. And if you can get after the quarterback on top of having great coverage, you're going to be a top five defense. And so this, it's really encouraging what we've seen from Ulbrich's unit so far. Yeah. I think we got to print out and distribute the Jeff Ulbrich apology forms because we have never criticized him and we've loved him from the beginning of the season. <laughs> I don't think I've ever criticized him. Like I just kept telling people, give this guy a chance. He's perfect. He's never made a single mistake. Um, no, I mean, that was, that was pretty much me with Zach the last few weeks. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, for sure. We've never criticized either of them. We know everything. Just listen to us. Um, but no, we were both very critical of Ulbrich. I think after last season, he was probably the member of the coaching staff we were most skeptical of. And then even after a few games this year, you know, despite the defense having some decent success early on, Baltimore game was decent. Bengals game, I guess, outside a couple of big plays was pretty solid. 
Browns game obviously wasn't good, but after week three, you know, Quinnen still wasn't playing a lot of snaps. Then he had that crazy Sorry, what, comment. Yeah, go ahead. What's the rotation like? It seems like they there's still a rotation, but it does seem like the, their best players are out there more often. Uh, Quinnen really hasn't changed, I think. So they've kind of that he hasn't really, you know, addressed that in terms of giving Quinnen more snaps, but they're winning and Quinnen keeps dominating. So we kind of forgot it. He's still been hovering in the high 60s. Uh, he did have 72 last week, but yeah. only a slight increase. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's changed a little bit. But but, you, but the thing is, is you're getting really good production from your second unit, it feels. Yeah, I think, you know, having Huff out there has really helped that second unit look better. Although Huff does really play the first team guys a lot of times on uh, on third downs. But uh, Nathan Shepard has quietly been better the last few games. So that's kind of made the rotation look a little bit less drastic in terms of the difference when there's when those starters swap out but but yeah on Ulbrich I mean he's a guy we've been critical of and you know I've like like I said we are skeptical of him after last year then after first three games this year is kind of continuing but since then like I think we're we've really just seen the vision kind of play out I think from the what we were saying this last year the vision for this defense has always kind of been to let the talent do the job and the reason it was frustrating last year is because they didn't have the four man rush that could win without the blitz. They didn't have the corners who could help that four man rush when they weren't winning by buying them more time. Um, they didn't, you know, have a guy who could man up with Stefan Diggs and, and do all these things. So the fact that they were stubborn last year was kind of, uh, it was exacerbated by the fact that they didn't have talent, but now that they do, we're kind of seeing that they know how to use these guys and put them in positions to be successful. Um, and obviously, you know, again, having talent is a big reason why they're better, you know, considering some of the acquisitions they made. But I think we're seeing now that the vision they have for these guys really emphasizes the talent that they have. It puts Sauce Gardner in position to do what he does best. It puts Quinn and Williams in position to do what he does best. Bryce Huff, Carl Austin, all these guys, I think we're seeing that the Jets know they have talent and they're relying on these guys to win much more so than, you know, we're going to try to win by blitzing or we're going to try to win by doing uh, zone blitzes and, you know, dropping guys off the line, doing all this creative stuff. It's very straight up for the most part. And I think when you have the talent the Jets have, it leads to good results. So it was frustrating last year when they didn't have the talent to uh, justify that kind of defensive style. But now that they do have the talent, we're seeing that it really is uh, the right approach for the guys that they have. And the fact that they spent last year kind of installing that, I think is paying off this year for some of the players who were with this team last year and now have a year of experience playing that way. I have to say I was, I, while you were talking all of a sudden I started to think about, um, do you think that the jets will get flexed to a Sunday night game later this year? So when, I was, is the, when is the flex window open? Do you know? I, I think it's, I think it's already, it might be after week 11. But I was looking, that I was Vikings trying to think of game is interesting. Maybe the Bills yeah. game. Maybe the Bills. I was game. thinking maybe the Bills game. They have the Chiefs and Broncos on Sunday Night Football. They're not going to get a home game. I mean, they do have the Jaguars. I was time, thinking cool. you want to hear you want to hear yeah. one that I think is possible. Yeah. What about, yeah. What about the Gino? Gino. Ooh, that's a oh, good one. God. Hopefully we have a playoff or a playoff uh, uh, appearance already clinched before we face Gino. I don't know if I like that matchup. <laughs> An angry Gino Smith. What, what things we never thought we'd be saying in 2022. What the hell? Yeah, his, his uh, famous quote definitely applies to the Jets. You know, they wrote me off, but I ain't right back, though. Perfect oh God. for the Jets. They're, no, that's no. definitely going to get shared so much. I, I wish Jamal was playing. <laughs> I wish Jamal was playing. Actually, you know so what? 
Actually, I'm, you know what? I, I, I wish Jamal was playing in that game, but it's, it is kind of funny that Jamal is out and now the Seahawks are good again. Um, yeah. Not to get not to get too far off to, uh, off topic here. Um, yeah, I mean, I think kind of everything you were saying about this Jets defense, uh, you have to be just thrilled with the way that they've responded all season long. And and this matchup uh, in particular gives you a lot of confidence in this unit. And it gives the unit itself a lot of confidence because if they can beat the Bills, and, and we talked about this a few weeks ago when they when they had that big game against the Packers and the importance of that type of game for this defense in terms of like, okay, if, if we can play the type of football we're playing and we can do it against one of the best quarterbacks of all time, this defense is just so predicated on, on confidence and communication and if they keep stacking good game after good game, it almost feels like that, that uh, confidence just keeps growing exponentially every single game um, that they play. Well, uh, it kind of snowballs that momentum. And the fact that they were able to do this against the bills, they answer their bye, they get to sit on this for two weeks. They come back and they know this defense knows that they can lock down anybody. And that's huge for the mentality of this team. Um, Man. I mean, where do we want to go from here? I know there's, there's a few other topics we want to get. I guess we can kind of go into the, you want to talk about how it kind of closed out? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, after that sauce interception, I loved how they were able to get that in. I mean, let's, actually, let's talk about the most, maybe in hindsight, the most pivotal play of this game, Garrett Wilson's fumble on that trick play. I mean, oh my God. in hindsight, this game could have went much differently. I mean, nice call. The Jets dial up. It has a pass option for Wilson, but he also could keep it, and he has plenty of room for a big game for a big gain, but you know, he's holding in one hand, he's pump faking and the ball just slips out. Luckily it goes, it stays perfectly straight in his, you know, in his field of motion directly where he's going towards and he's able to fall on it. And obviously as a receiver, he probably has an advantage in that situation with his hands ability, but uh, luckily it turned into a good old seven yard gain to start that out. But man, that could have yeah. been disastrous, man. Yeah. And he could have taken a serious blow to the head. Yeah, yeah I, it I kind of did take a little contact. I was worried there. I, yeah, I don't think he took. I don't think it got too bad because he the the helmet to helmet contact is what knocked his helmet off, and then a guy came in when he didn't have his helmet on, but he, I don't think he really hit his head. So that could have been very not just for the Jets, but just for Garrett. I mean that that was a scary play to watch. Yeah, but and luckily then he came out of that, and uh, <laughs> you know, so they had the incompletion. Oh, that catch he made! I know it was not even close to being an actual catch, but he just stuck it with one hand. That was oh impressive. yeah, oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, and so then that's your second down play. Then third down, Zach does what we need him to do more, and that's take those scrambles when they're available. Yeah, uh, it's just he can do that so frequently. I could see him averaging two or three rushing first downs a game. Yeah, on these plays, he just he has the ability to do it, and it's you know he I don't think he's the best top end speed or anything, but it's not that. It's just his ability to make guys miss. He's a good understanding of just leverage and angles and momentum and knowing how to attack guys to make them miss. And he's just, you know, a smooth guy on the move who, you know, is able to escape the pocket and create those angles. So he just has to take it more often. And in this game, he did it in big spots specifically here. And then the Jets follow up after that with the James Robinson screen touchdown. So LaFleur was really in his bag on this short touchdown drive. The trick play on first down um, was a great call, obviously almost a turnover, but ultimately did you know the call itself was good uh and then on the third or on the first down following the conversion by zach really well drawn up screenplay for robinson so uh gotta like the response after that sauce turnover capitalizing on that 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And the, the only thing that uh, that does kind of sting a little bit is that if they had just if they had held on and beaten the Patriots last week with this win, we'd literally be the number one team in the AFC right yeah. now. But I mean, who I'm knows? Just... Maybe if they won, they wouldn't be as angry or motivated. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. I don't you know. Can't... I don't look at things that way. Like we that's just true. Beat the Bills were six and three. If you told me prior to the season that they'd win at Green Bay, that they'd be, score forty points on the Dolphins, yeah. win oh at Pittsburgh, God. at Green Bay. <laughs> Beat the Bills six and three at the bye. Like, sign me up for that. It is kind of funny that we and we've made this point a few times now, but how we all looked at the first half of the schedule as being incredibly hard and look like it's still they still like you said. I mean, a lot of those environments and situations they went into were, were really impressive. But the back half of the schedule, I mean, there's certainly some winnable games like Chicago and Jacksonville and Detroit. Um, but yeah, I mean, they got to play Buffalo again. They, I mean, they play New England right after the bye, which I think I'm very excited for that one. But they got to play Buffalo again. They got to play Miami again. Minnesota is seven and one. But I, what is that? Is that the Kirk Cousins revenge game? Maybe. Yeah, I, I mean, is it revenge? He kind of used the Jets for leverage. Yeah, I mean, I guess we kind of felt disrespected. I oh, mean, revenge I, for us. Yeah, I yeah, for Cousins. Yeah, re- yeah, revenge for us. Yeah. But who was even here at that time? <laughs> Rex Hogan uh... was he even here. I don't think anybody was. Thomas Hennessy was. Woody there. Johnson. Thomas Actually, Hennessey. I think Rex. I think Rex I don't Hogan think was, he was there. here. Hennessy, yeah, because was Tanner Purdom. No, no, didn't Hennessy come for 2017? Yeah, and that was 2015. No, no, it wasn't 2015. No, it was 2017. Yeah, it was 20, yeah, yeah. It was 2018. Hennessey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hennessy yeah. was there. I think so Hennessy's going to be fired up. Yeah, <laughs> big snaps, big snaps that week. Um, all right. I guess, uh, going into the, uh, what, what else we have to talk about that fourth quarter. I, I'm looking at these, these, uh, play by play, like, like you're saying the drive summaries. And the thing that really stands out to me is just the amount of long sustained drives that the jets had just, you know, that was the thing every time they'd play Brady and Josh Allen's so much different, but it was like, all right, you got to keep him on the sideline. And then when he's out there, you got to hit him. And the jets did that to Josh Allen. They kept him on the sideline. Like obviously the sky cam definitely hurt the jets, but like you said, Kept Josh Allen cold for a little bit more. And every time the Jets had an opportunity to hit Josh Allen, they did. And, you know, they may have even injured him a little bit at the at the end of the game yeah. uh, with that Bryce Huff play. But, yeah, I'm looking at just like 13-play drive, 14-play drive. And, obviously, the big one at the end of the game, which I guess we can jump to unless there's anything else we want to talk about. But the way that the interior offensive line – obviously, honestly, the offensive line as a whole. Yeah, whole offensive line. Bully. Well, but but specifically the – obviously the whole yeah, offensive Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, bullied this bill's defense down the field you don't see many super bowl contenders super bowl favorites get bullied for 96 yards or i guess they didn't have punching it in so 90 some odd yards down the field in the run game and it's the best i mean look it's been two weeks since breeze navy team went out but certainly the best this running game has looked since that happened i was a little concerned even at times this game where it was like oh i know the passing game is cooking and this defense looks legit but man i just wish we had breeze and avt because this run game can't get going but lo and behold that last drive James Robinson made a couple of really nice cuts and, and showed his physicality as a runner. And then Michael Carter, that little, you know, it's not the same as Brees, but that thunder and lightning and this offensive line just, you know, came with a mentality of we're going to go ahead and win this game. And the, the fact that Jets drove 95 ish yards, put themselves in a position to, to win the game, made Buffalo burn all three of their timeouts. Um, really, really, really solid drive running the football. Um, so maybe talk about the running game. There's a few plays towards the end of that drive we want to talk about, but just the way that they started off that drive pounding the rock. Yeah. I mean, the cool thing about when you succeed running the ball is that there, there aren't many other ways in football to really impose your will on another team from a team wide perspective, like everyone being involved in it, because even 
when you have great passing success, it's it's like that can be done by just the quarterback making a great throw or a great catch by the receiver, even evading pressure. But when you're running the ball down a team's throat for an entire drive all the way down the field from backed up inside your own five, that's everyone coming together, just overpowering the other team. So for the Jets to close out a game doing that against the number one defense in the league, granted missing a few pieces, but regardless, still a fantastic defense. For them to close out the game doing that, just we're running the ball every single time. You guys know it, and you're not going to stop it is so, so great to see, especially considering the injuries on the offensive line, the injury at running back, um, for the Jets to still come out there and be able to just pound the ball down the Bills' throats like that is such a it, – it's just a great signal of what this team has been this year. Just they fight hard, and they're able to impose their will on teams in the trenches on both sides of the football, and that's who they are. It's a tough physical team that wins at the line of scrimmage. So for them to do that, to close the game, was so great to see. And, uh, you know, just the whole offensive line showed up. I saw Wayhe making some great blocks. Herbig, I yeah. think, was really showing out the most on that drive. Yeah. He was fantastic. And we'll get back to the film. I'm sure there will be more guys standing out. But even Mims, I remember, on one downfield run, everyone was contributing. Tight end blocking. Tight end as well. Just And that's another thing. We don't have Ryan Griffin out here anymore who's just yeah. whiffing on everything. They, they, you, the 12-personal 12, 12 offense is legit for this team. Uzama's yeah, really come on. Yeah, Uzama's become much more involved in this offense. He's useful as a blocker. He makes key catches. Uh, it's definitely become a fixture and something that we'll see a lot of going forward but both running backs really had a good drive as well i mean robinson started it off with that great run uh to you know you're backed up inside where they started their own five i think somewhere five or four yeah and, yeah you know you want to start that drive off well and he gets hit at the line of scrimmage you're potentially facing second and ten not where you want to be at that spot of the field but he stays on his feet piles through it, and gets a nine yard run out of it and that really set the tone for the rest of the drive because you know second and one is one of the best spots to be in as an offense because there's so much you could do on uh, the jets running the ball there really set the tone and they just continued to pound it and pound it and carter hit the edge really well in this game there are multiple instances instances where he did a good job of bouncing runs outside and having enough speed to get past that first defender uh, to get down the sideline and turn a good five yard gain into 15 20 yards uh, so we we saw the best of both running backs in this game you know carter his elusiveness and good speed too. I think, you know, we kind of were down on his speed after last year. He's definitely not the fastest running back in the league, but he does have good burst and he showed in this game that he can hit the edge and have that good initial speed to, you know, use his speed to get good runs. Even if he doesn't have, you know, home run hitting speed down the field, he can beat you to the edge. And the Jets really use that in this game. And then Robinson with his power, just getting downhill getting yards after contact was so important on that last drive. Um, obviously didn't come into fruition the way you wanted it to at the end, but I really like Zach Wilson's process to close that drive. The third down throw to Mims was tremendous. Um, and then the run he had was a good positive run that could put him in a good spot. And then the third down sack, I think maybe one of my favorite plays of the game, just the thought process there is that really showed you that he was dialed in today because it's very easy for him to, you know, nothing was covered there. It's easy for him to just maybe throw it in the back of the end zone, see what he can get out of it. Even throwing the ball away would have been the ideal play there because you want to make the Bills burn that timeout. So the fact that he did not take a shot, did not throw the ball away, and just ate the sack there, really good presence of mind and wherewithal. And I think it summed up how locked in he was 
in this game. So this last drive of the game, despite not finishing with the touchdown, for the Jets to start it where they started, started the drive where they started it at, at their own four-yard line, to milk over six minutes off the clock, 13 plays, 86 yards, is the Jets just have not been able to do that in recent years from this part of the field. At got to have it moments of the game. and But this team it just has the toughness and the physicality to pull it off. So And then your quarterback came through with the plays you needed him to make at the end. Again, even, even though it didn't result in a touchdown, he did, given the circumstances of the situation, he did what was best uh, in both of those spots at the end. So that was a great last drive, despite the lack of being able to finish it. And it should have been helmet to helmet. On that yeah, for sure. Play. Come on, sure. that that was a clear penalty. Like, and I don't think I think it's pretty clear that the the play at the end, and we're gonna get to that drive in a second. That uh, the sauce uh, defensive uh, breakup uh, on the last play of the game. Some Bills fans are trying to say that that should have been pi. It's like, all right, that first of all, that was clean. If you go back and watch it, but that was a very clear helmet to helmet. And if the Jets get that penalty, they have first and goal at the one. The Bills don't get the ball back, um, so that should ice the game right there. But I agree. I think that that. Not just taking the sack when you know damn well Zach wants to throw that ball, ice the game, put it up there. And we paused it. We're like, okay, was there even anything he could have done? And there's a moment where he maybe could have lofted it to the corner to more, but the the flat defender who's on, I think it was Garrett. It might have been yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like you could totally see that ball floating up there and that flat defender who was playing zone coverage. So he has eyes on Zach, just dropping back to the corner and, and picking that off. And then you have Zach Wilson throwing a boneheaded interception in the game. So like, th- like you said, like that sack. Yeah. It's unsatisfying for the jets not to punch that in and ice the game, but you have to remember you have one of the best defenses in the league. Who's been playing well all day. And regardless, it's just the right move to take the sack there. And that was definitely some real growth um, from him there. And then, yeah, you get the de- the defense gets the ball back and, or gets the ball back is, is back on the field has to make one stop. And I think at this point, how are you feeling at this point? I was like, when they didn't get six, I was like, all right, this game's going to overtime. I was pretty, I shouldn't say pretty. I was pretty confident. They were going to allow a touchdown. Not to say that I couldn't see a, a big one, a deep bomb that, that that goes for six and the bills win it or whatever. And we have to sit here and cry, but I was pretty confident. Okay. The bills are going to get into field goal range. We'll go to OT and we'll see what happens. Uh, how, how did you feel uh, when, when Josh Allen was coming out for that last drive? Yeah, I'll be honest. Like, I, I was optimistic, but there's a lot of time in that clock, and they did a good job of getting the timeouts out of there. Yeah, but a lot of time on the clock. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, well, I totally cut you off, but they, they could have they could have passed down where they ran it with Zach Wilson. I know Robbie Sabo was talking about that a lot, um, but they chose to run it to make the Bills burn those timeouts. Do you agree with that, or do you think they should have maybe thrown uh, on that second down to be more aggressive? No, Obviously, I mean, it worked out. <laughs> yeah, I mean – uh, it was really an interesting spot. I, it was the debate I, I was having personally at the time. And I think we all were, you know, you want this touchdown so bad, but you also don't want to, re- you know, put the ball in any sort of harm's way. And you also want to take as much time from them as you can, because you know, they're absolutely going to get it back. So it was tough, but I mean, that, that run came by Wilson came pretty close. And then they were only two yards away after that. So I think it was decent decision-making. Uh, I don't, I don't have a problem with it. You could argue the other way, but it, it played out well, but yeah, I mean, my mindset going to that last drive was, I was optimistic, but it really felt like, you know, it was enough time for the bills to easily drive that ball down and get into range, especially how they looked um, to close that, uh, you know, to close the first half in that two minute drill. It really seemed like they were going to be able to at least get into field goal range and put this thing into overtime. But, uh, but yeah, it just played out great. I guess we can go into this last drive now. 
But um, yeah, that first play, the first play is how I kind of envisioned it going out, the way it looked at first, you know, just immediate 26-yard shot to Diggs. Then there's a flag, and you're like, oh, great, roughing the passer too. But no, it's a holding. <laughs> it's a holding. And I yeah. kind of remember seeing that. Like I was like, someone got tackled on the Jets. Um, and then we looked back at it, and it was Lawson. Yes, I think through the holding. So this is another subtle way that Lawson has contributed. Oh, totally. Sometimes if he, I mean, he totally gets a ton of pressures, but he draws a ton of flags, even yeah. ones that don't get called. Just his play style, a lot of times offensive tackles have, have no choice but to, to hold him. And yeah, that one was egregious. I mean, he, he straight up like just piles him right into the ground. He's like, this offensive tackle is like, I, I've had enough. I can't deal with, with Carl anymore. Yeah, for sure. So you start with that, and that obviously is huge put yourself in a good spot to start out and then second down quietly huge play which we discussed before we started recording but um you know the bills got a big completion here they hit gabe davis over the middle and he jukes mosley out of his shoes but they're able to hold them two yards shy of that marker and that turns out to be absolutely massive because on third down friend of the podcast the guy who you're <laughs> high on his game when he was uh an undrafted rookie who had no guarantee of making this roster in a COVID year where there were no fans in the stands, just the darkest days of the team. Fast forward two years, here he is making one of the biggest plays by a Jets defender in recent memory. Bryce Huff off the edge with the strip sack on second and two. And from there, you're in business. And I would have loved to have recovered that. But regardless, you get a 12-yard or 19-yard loss out of that sack by him. And the interesting part of this play is uh, it's something I pointed out on Twitter before the game, but really late before this game started, you know, Sunday morning, it was revealed that the bills right tackle Spencer Brown was going to be out of this game. And a big reason that was important is because the guy replacing him is David Questenberry. And he was a Titans right tackle last year in that game against the jets where the pass rush exploded and helped the jets win that game. He gave up 11 pressures in that game against the Jets last year, which is tied for the most in one game by any tackle in the league over the last two seasons. So this was that was a huge loss because you put this guy in here who's a mismatch against these specific players, especially Bryce Huff, who beat him for a sack last year. And then here in the fourth quarter, that comes into play at the biggest time. Uh, and Huff had plenty of pressures throughout the game, too. But in the biggest way here with 38 seconds left uh, in the fourth quarter, you get Bryce Huff beating him for a strip sack. And then from there, you know, third and 21, they're, you know, Allen, they, did they get a little pressure on him or was he clean there? I forget how that one looked, but he tries digs deep, comes up a little short. And then there, that's when I'm losing my mind. I'm like, we're just one play away from doing this. We're really one play away from pulling this off. And Allen scrambles and give him credit. I mean, the ball he throws here, what was it? 70 yards in the air. <laughs> yeah. He, he gets a running it. start, but yeah, 70 a little yards bit of running start, left. but an absolute rocket. But Sauce Gardner, yet again, with game-winning coverage for the second time in three weeks, just, man. I don't it's hard, remember. Hard, hard to script something better than this. I don't – I mean, I'm obviously there has, there has been, but it seems like for a corner, Sauce is making huge play after huge play in the biggest moments of the games. I mean, a lot of times, like, good corners, it's like, oh, you don't hear from him all game. But Sauce is constantly on the television every time I'm watching. Uh, he's always making big plays. And like you said, yeah, two, two game winning pass breakups uh, in the last three weeks is, is insane. Uh, this whole game was beautiful. I mean, I'm so, I'm so glad we get to just soak this one. Oh, I can't believe they won this game. Just soaking it in right now. It just kind of <laughs> hit me like, wow, Jets 20, Bills 17. 
Wow. They held the Bills to 17 points and put up 20 of them. I'd already I mean, kind of created the, you know, the what was going to play out in my head really after that Patriots game was over. Well, 5-4, kind of chalked it up immediately once that think, game started going downhill. So the fact that we're actually here is shocking. Do you think you were too negative after the Patriots game? Or do you think you were the, the appropriate amount of negative? I think I was an appropriate amount of negative because I didn't act like the sky was falling. I was just being honest, like, well, if we're not going to beat the Patriots, I'd find it unlikely we're going to beat the Bills. I did. And more I so, more, sorry, more so about Zach. Sorry, I should have phrased that a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, to be honest, I feel like me personally, I was in the right spot of Zach criticism because I was harshly criticizing that game specifically and mostly that three-game run that he just had. But I never said I thought it was over for him or that he right. should be benched. You know, I wanted to continue seeing him playing. I have zero interest in seeing the other two bum quarterbacks they have. <laughs> so I, I definitely want to see him continue playing. And at the same time, you know, I did acknowledge, like, you know, we're getting to a point where you kind of want to see something soon before this gets to a point where, you know, it's kind of hard to salvage this season from being a regression or lack of improvement compared to last year. So, I don't know. I think I was in, I think I was pretty rational about it. Yeah. You know, a right amount of criticism while not being like, it's over for this guy. Bench him right now. There's no hope. You can't fix him or anything like that. And at the same time, I think right now it's fair to be the other way. You know, he had a great game, but we also got to see him maintain that going forward because we've seen it so many times with the young quarterbacks on this team, you know, a couple of bad games, a couple of good games, and the cycle continues. You want to get to that point of consistency. So uh, we definitely want to see him maintain it going forward but i really think they found an identity that works in this game that should help them going forward so hopefully especially going to the bye i think it's good timing for it because they get a chance to really reflect on this and really look back at this tape and and see a version of this offense that can be their identity for the rest of the season yeah i, I think you were also no i wasn't trying to throw you under the bus there. i think you were the the perfect level of criticism because like you said i think look jets fans are so scarred um and it's hard to blame them um just like we were talking about, there's all these moments that keep popping up in these games where it's like, oh, it's about to turn into a pumpkin. It's like, here it goes, same old Jets. And it's like, and we, we brought this up last week. It was like, why does every loss have to feel like it's same old Jets every single time? And yeah. of course, they'll lose another game this season and you'll see the, the same beat writers with the yikes, my goodness. Like you know, the, the way they just like over dramatize every single play um, or any sort of negative thing that happens. I mean, I get it. It's their job. They're trying to create storylines or whatever, but it's just infuriating. And I get it from the fan base's perspective, why they're frustrated with Zach. We can't act like Zach was a good quarterback the last three weeks, but I did think it was like, you certainly saw flashes last week. And I feel like a lot of it got ignored um, because the, the dumb mistakes overshadowed it. And I think Alan's point, and look, we'll see if, if this is a really a turning point for Zach, but Alan had that point this past week where he said, you know, the game it clicked for me was that three interception game against the Patriots. And we went back and watched it. It was a very similar game to the one that Zach had, where it's like, he had these big flash plays where you're like, Oh, look at this guy. This guy could be really good. And then he'd have this bonehead dumb interception. He's just like, what the hell is that? And um, Zach will have plenty of, of more bonehead plays and they'll lose more games and, and he'll have probably more bad games. But you know, when that switch goes off for him and I think it, it's certainly, I'm not, this isn't to say that he won't have bad games. I've already said that, but that switch has gone off for him in, in terms of he looks like an NFL quarterback. He looks comfortable back there. He doesn't look overwhelmed. He didn't look timid. And the fact that you've seen that makes me believe that you're going to see it more consistently week in and week out. Where would you rank? I mean, because outside of, outside of the, he had the miss to Conklin on third down in the fourth quarter, which 
you know, I have to go back and watch it, but he has to hit that throw. Um, he was under pressure. I don't know if he had a lot of room to step up and there's also a guy jumping. So he had to change the arm angle a little bit, but he had that one that he missed. And then he had a throw earlier in the game where he was a little high to Mims and Mims, in my opinion, Mims should have caught it. You disagree. You think that it was, I mean, it was certainly a high throw, but outside of those two plays, I don't think he had a single, I mean, uh, did he have another bat outside of that? And those are two plays where it's like, two incompletions not catastrophic and one of which hit the receiver in his hands i mean can you think of another negative zach play outside of those two no i mean the only thing that comes to mind is you know the ones you mentioned like the one to mims i think he missed that then there was uh a check down to barrios that was pretty open which he threw in the dirt but we'll have to watch it again because it was a pretty tough angle tough pocket so we'll see if that you know should have been easier or it's a little excusable and then there was the conklin one uh, in the fourth quarter, where again it looked like it could be completed, but you kind of have to rewatch it to really see the context. But uh, either way, you know, out of that's really three plays off the top of my head, and uh, other than that, I don't really have anything. So do you it, think, it was it was a clear. Where would game. you? Where would you? Where I mean, without giving the the cop out, I got we got to rewatch the film and stuff. Initial reaction because we haven't seen the the downfield stuff, what was open, what wasn't open. I have a feeling that it'd be pretty hard to say this wasn't a great game from Zach. Where would you rank it, do you think, amongst his his games? I think it has to be his best, doesn't it? Um, Start to finish. There's a good chance. There's a good I, chance. I don't know. Be. For me, I like, I'm going to use the cop out. I got to digest it. Oh, come on. More. Come on. Well, yeah, but people will important. listen to I think importance, you can give it to him. What, like, what are the other contenders? Titans, Tampa Bay, Bucks. Titans. Dolphins, uh, Dolphins, I think just it clears all those. It's not, it's not close in my opinion. The Steelers, fourth I don't know. Quarter. I mean, he was good, but like some of those other games, I don't know. Like he was good in this game. It's what you want to see, but I don't want to overrate it too much just because the bar was so low last yeah, week. The, you know, like he was no, he was really good, but I also no. Come on, come on, don't don't do that. The, he, it the wasn't Bucks like game he, was really nice. Like, yeah, but there was made, a lot of big time throws. Now yeah, this one made, was very good, but I don't know if we had some of the same flashes that one had. No, you're forgetting. You're forgetting. He had a lot of those those twenty yard passes to Garrett Wilson and stuff like that that were big boy big boy throws. I know he had a lot of the. I know the quick game, which was what was what was really working, but he still had intermediately you know some intermediate dimes in there as well, and and the big throw to Mims to start the game too, which I know wasn't complete, but. I, don't know. I think you're going to look back and say this is his best game as a jet. Certainly when you factor in the situation of, of who they're playing and what their records are and stuff like that. Okay. I'll give you, I'll give you one more. I know you're, you're going to try to cop out. Where does this rank among a week? Just because the, the comparisons have been made this week, we made them ourselves, Darnold and, and Zach, because Darnold's best game was probably that Cowboys game. Right. Probably. I don't think he had one. I mean, Darnold's that. Houston game was really good. Donald's Houston game was good. His Green Bay game was good as a rookie. And then the, the Cowboys game is second year. I don't think there's any, I mean, there, you can maybe throw in the Raiders game or something, but where do you think, uh, where do you think this might rank? I, I know you got to rewatch it, but come on, we're, we're doing a pot here. People are listening Sunday night. I'm going to put a number two behind Tampa Bay for now. That is subject to change. Behind Tampa Bay. I don't, but what did he do in Tampa Bay that he didn't do? But that's so different because that he was playing with bums in that game. That's true. That's a good point, but he's also going up against, I guess he was going up against a great defense that that Yeah, that too. was a good defense. Yeah, it's close. I think he made more. I don't know. We have to, we have to go back. And watch. This was very much like that. This is what we want. You know to what? See. You know what's the big difference? You know what's the big difference? Yeah. Fourth quarter, that game, the mental mistake on the fourth and the fourth and one to try the QB sneak when the they had two guys in the A gap instead of handing it off to Barrios. 
That was the difference. That play versus taking the sack on fourth down instead of lofting it into the corner of the end zone, which you know he wanted to do, or to try to make the guy miss and and uh, you know fumble or something. I think I think I understand. We got to watch it. Yeah, okay, whatever. But I think this is going to go down as, as Zach's best game so far, and I'm glad that they get two weeks to to sit on that. That's it's just awesome stuff. Awesome stuff all around. Uh, all right, quick quick other little hitters. I mean. Feel free to, to shout them out. We don't really have any notes for this one. Uh, Quentin Williams, still best defensive tackle in football. Changed my mind. Um, how big, how how amazing is, is C.J. Mosley and how important is he for this defense? It seems like with C.J. Mosley, if you watch him for every play, it does seem like he knows where, where the ball is going every play. He might not be fast enough to make it there, but I think Sherwood did an admirable job filling in for him for those few plays where Mosley was out. Um, but... Mosley's just such a, a difference maker defensively, even if he's, if he's not the athletic specimen he used to be, he just is the heart and soul of that defense. Yeah. He had a lot of big plays in this game you know, around the first down marker, um, making stuffs around the line of scrimmage. So he was solid for sure. Uh, and I think, you know, Quincy Williams had a couple of misses earlier in this game, but then he kind of settled down after that. Uh, so I like the linebacker play. And then you mentioned Quinton Williams, I mean, it's just routine at this point. It's like we don't even get all that. Obviously, we're excited, but it's not like, oh, huge game for Quinnen because it's just an average Quinnen game when he's this dominant. Uh, just getting sacks on a weekly basis in big spots, you know, stuffing up the run game. He's been so big time. I mean, the run defense in this one outside of Allen, which is hard to stop, um, they gave up pretty much nothing on run plays outside of him. And obviously, Quinnen is always at the center of that. But um, I think the pass rush was really solid in this game. And they started out a little quiet. But when, once the defense started having more success, I think the pass rush was a big part of it. I mean, JFM was getting a lot of wins. Bryce Huff was getting a lot of wins. And Carl Lawson, I think, continues to be a quiet contributor to all of this. Uh, I don't see his name in the box score. And we'll see how many pressures he gets. But he's done a lot of subtle things this year. I mean, there are multiple sacks by teammates that have been created by him penetrating on stunts so those guys can loop around and get sacks. So he's really good at that. Uh, and I really just think the Jets have this defensive line, uh, and this is mostly because of Lawson, where they just have so much collective explosiveness where it just opens – it just has this domino effect where everyone's opening space for everyone else. It's not like, you know, you have these slow, lumbering guys coming off the edge who just get stalled at the line of scrimmage where it does nothing for the other – one-on-one battles in the line of scrimmage. You know, Lawson, even when he's not winning, I just think think to have a guy who gets off the line that quickly, who gets that deep into the backfield, just creates so much space for the defensive tackles to work because they can go either way. They could go inside to the A-gap. They can go through a very large B-gap because Lawson is carrying his guy so far upfield with that explosiveness and power to where it, it just has a positive domino effect to have all these explosive guys. And Lawson is... A big part of that. And obviously we mentioned earlier, uh, one of the big plays in that last drive by Buffalo was that hold on the very first play. And that was Lawson drawing that. And he draws multiple penalties this year too. So uh, he does a lot of quiet things. I know he might not have the hugest numbers this year, although he did come into this game tied with Quinnen for second in the entire league in quarterback hits. So there are, there are numbers there. Uh, and, and the sack production has been pretty decent for him too. So you got to like Lawson. He's not Von Miller or Micah Parsons. He's not a sack machine, but there, there are a lot of subtle things that really help this team that he does. 
All right, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Oh, I guess the uniforms, do they have to wear white on black every week? Yes, white, yeah. and, white and black permanently. I, I said that before the game. If they win this game, you got to make it permanent. And well, they're gonna... Yes, we're wearing that every single game. Well, they're going to go the black. black games. No, Scrap no. those. Scrap them. No, well, Scrap them. do you think the, uh, there's Where are some, the black some... helmets with the white jerseys? Or does, does it not does... count anymore? I don't know if it can. I think, I think you can wear the all blacks against the Bears and, and Jags, but yeah, they're going to wear a white and black every other game until until a team wears green at, or uh, they're, they're wears watch, white at watch home. Watch Belichick come out and wear yeah. white just to screw yeah. with the Jets. Um, what I mean, I guess I saw some people. There's some people talking about this this week. I mean, the fact that they aren't wearing the green jerseys at all means yeah. that they don't like it. I wouldn't surprise me if Saul doesn't like the green. And do you think that they're gonna? I mean, I, they're very clearly gonna change these these uniforms in two years. To how much remains to be seen. Like maybe they just change the shade of green and they they change it to the '80s logo. We've reached the uniform part of this podcast by the way so there might be some straggling football takes after this but if you're not here for the uniform bits you can probably stop listening at this point but uh i think the probably would people listen you know we do get tweets about that there better be some uniform talk this week so yeah i don't know i, I think they're definitely going to go they're definitely going to have an 80s throwback next year and then after that they can they can change the uniforms but they can announce that they're changing the uniforms after the season that makes sense they have to wear them for one more year and then they can change them. So I think next year you're going to see a throwback with an eighties logo. And then I think the year after that, they're going to go eighties logo full time, but they could, who maybe they keep the same uniform style. Who knows? But do you, do you think that they'll, uh, they're, they're going more to like a black and white team with a green accent, which I guess I don't yeah, mind. I, I, I mean, yeah, I mean that, that's kind of what I um, saw before the game when I saw the black end zones, because, you know, we went to the dolphins game, they had green end zones and a black banner around the walls. <laughs> It's kind of mixing it up a little bit, which Important I think is stuff. fitting for, you know, it's not an all black game, but this game, they go to the black end zones. And I'm like, wow, we were just throwing green out the window this or, year. Or do you think they just got lazy and the MetLife crew was like, we're not. Yeah, maybe they're like, yeah, it's week. just one week. Just leave it. Yeah, that's possible as well. <laughs> Actually, I, I wouldn't, I, that's probably why they did it. I wouldn't but, mind. Uh, uh, I wouldn't mind uh, the being black and white with the green as the accent. They have some sort of green alternate, but if that could be the throwback, I don't know. Who cares? All right, that that was all the importance. Any other tidbits we want to hit? I mean, we'll have we're gonna we'll stick with our schedule. It's a bye week. We're gonna do a mailbag. I don't know if we're gonna do it for Friday or if we'll do it for Monday, but we'll have a pod coming out Friday and then we'll have a pod coming out Monday. One of them will be a mailbag. I think we probably do what like Friday, maybe maybe film review and then Monday we'll mailbag. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Who cares? Uh, any other any last last hitters before we get out of here, Michael? Um, I don't know exactly what we're out on time because we were on the zoom a little bit before we started recording, but it's gotta be close to two hours at this point. 60% fire through. Come on. Hit me with a hitter. Something. No, I mean, this is Yaboa. <laughs> yeah. Yaboa. Woo. He's playing I mean, more no, than Ruckert. That's true. That is, that's worth noting, but you're trying to talk about backup tight ends. I was going to do some more overarching talk. Okay. Yeah. Go about ahead. That's probably where we're at. I mean, here we go into the bye week, and we'll have plenty of bye week review stuff coming up, I'm sure. But wow, let's take a moment to just reflect and uh, take a deep breath here, because I've been losing my mind watching Jets games this year in a, in a positive way. I'm saying that. I mean, so many memorable moments. Not no, already. not not all in a positive way. Mostly positive. Yeah. Mostly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> when when it's negative, I don't quote unquote lose my mind. I just more get into like a. Not depressive state, but just like just kind of shut down. Yeah, that, that that's more accurate. I guess. Yeah, like Zach Wilson will skip like a five year pass, and then you'll just get very like. Uh, it's like you know all those shots they showed of Josh Allen on the sideline just 
with the most blank expression you've ever seen, that's me. More so than losing my mind. But watching the positive stuff this year, I mean, just like there, there have been more memorable moments watching the Jets in this pre-buy stretch than the last, let's count, how many seasons? One, two, three, four, five, what, 2016, 21. So probably six seasons combined. I don't think that's inaccurate at all, right? Yeah. To, to, well, I think, you know, you didn't really start getting into the Jets that much. I mean, I, you, you know, you grew up a Jets fan, but you didn't really get into them that much until 2011, which might date ourselves. I, I was a little earlier. I got I got to experience the the far. I mean, I was a Jets fan, you know, like Pennington jerseys and Martin jerseys. But the far view was the year that I really got in. So I got a few years of, of honestly, it kind of felt like I, I got duped a little bit because my first three years of being a Jets fan were eight and three Super Bowl favorites or yeah, they were Super Bowl favorites and then back-to-back AFC championships. And I was like, this is awesome. Being a Jets fan is amazing. And I remember my dad kept saying to me during this, like, this isn't normal. Like <laughs> soak this in. They don't do this that often. And, um, and then since that point, yeah, 2015 has been the only year that was really any fun. I mean, they've had some moments, but uh, th- this year is shaping up to be for you, Michael, at least, I mean, we'll see 2015 ended horrifically. So hopefully it's better than that. But I, I mean, just the f- even 2015 was like a bunch of free agents, older guys, not homegrown that they brought in. And it was like, all right, new coach, uh, new GM, maybe you can kind of get excited. And uh, not going to lie, there were some magical moments that season too, but this is different. This is different to have a bunch of homegrown drafted talent with a young, likable coach who you can see really gets the best out of his guys. All these guys in this locker room, aside from Elijah Moore, who, by the way, actually, you know, I saw him smiling on the sideline and dapping up the teammates. So maybe he's, Maybe he's grown a little bit, um, but everybody here's just bought in hundred percent. Like there's nobody, there's nobody better who I think um, encapsulates this Jets team more than like a guy like Will Parks, who just every time he's on the field, he's just a bundle of energy and he sacrifices his body to make every tackle. Uh, they've been going to a lot of those big nickel looks where, where Parks comes in as that extra linebacker. And you know, he's effective as a blitzer. He's effective against the run. Like he brings that juice to this Jets defense. So it just feels different, man. And like you said, just enjoy it. Just soak it in. Even, even like when they were, I was trying to tell myself this too, when it was the second half and the jets were up, but the bills had the ball and it was like, Oh, they're going to blow this way in the fourth quarter. I was like, you know what? The fact that they're even in this right now and they're not, I'm not watching it and it's 40 to, to six and, and CBS is just thinking of, of random graphics they can put up random bills are New York's real team graphics that they can put up as filler. Like the fact that we're just watching a fun young Jets team hang in there with the and leading more than hang in, dominate, honestly, the best team in football. Sorry, Eagles fans. I was just like, you know what? Just soak this in. Even if they blow it in the end, just soak this in. We don't get this that often. So, man, yeah, I can't, it believe, definitely it. I can't a, believe it. Yeah, it definitely got to a point where I had reached uh, um, a satisfaction with, with what had happened already, where I was like, all right, this is not going to be a blowout. Um. I want to win this game and it'll be frustrating if we don't, but you know, it definitely was already cool for them to have been in this game. Have take, I think when they took the lead, I was like, all right, I I can live with this. Like obviously again, obviously we want to win, but um, at this point, you know, this is an effort I could, I can accept from them and not just that, but like you said, something that's different than what we're used to. I mean, the bills have destroyed the jets over the past few years absolutely clobbered them so to just to see them be able to not only you know compete with them but beat them is a huge game changer i still don't know if i've fully recovered from that 2019 week one loss to them this event which, is it. 
Well, obviously, because that didn't even really end up mattering. But there was something about that loss that really, really broke me as a Jets fan. <laughs> There's been a few of those, but that, I mean, yeah, we, the Jets have actually had a lot of horrible losses to the Bills, two of them in 2015, the 2019 one. I'm trying to think of like heartbreaking Jets losses to the Bills. There's definitely been a few more. There's been a few up in Buffalo where they just get blown out, like during the Geno Smith years and man. But they got to go up and face Buffalo in Buffalo a few weeks from now. We'll see if if any of those games get flexed. I don't I don't know that one. I think the Chiefs run Sunday Night Football, so I don't know if they'd flex it. But the Jets have certainly put themselves into Sunday Night Football territory, if not this season, definitely next year, which is which is good. I'm, I'm yeah. So week get... fourteen they play the Bills. You think it's the Chiefs that week? Who yeah, Chiefs, Chiefs and Bron- Chiefs and Broncos. Chiefs at Broncos. So maybe they can take that off. Russ. They, they, I think people have seen enough of the Broncos on prime time. Yeah, maybe that's, uh, that's very possible. If the the Jets have to beat the Pats, and then what? I think the next two games are Bears, Vikings, and then the the Bills. Uh, yeah, right. Pats, Bears, Vikings, Bills. How about that Vikings game? Let's see. The Vikings game is going to be a big one. Check um, the Week Thirteen schedule. Did, I don't know if that's enough. Vikings of a story. lost today, right? No, they won. Oh, they won. Oh, yeah, they pulled yeah, it so off. They're losing. Oh, so they're seven and one. So that's a, a big game as well. So look at the week and, and thirteen the, schedule. And the Bears took it to the Dolphins for most of this game. The Dolphins pulled it out. But like, yeah, none of these games uh, are going to be Colts. Easy. Cowboys is Vikings week. That could go off. Colts are disappointing. Yeah, cow, the Cowboys. Well, that's it's Cowboys though. You never want to take them off. Yeah, they don't know if they take them off. Not good the, for numbers. But the Colts and Sam Ellinger probably isn't. I don't know. Yeah, I think they definitely have a. How about potential. Seattle though? It's a good. Week 17. That's the Rams and Chargers. Rams so the, and Chargers. That, the LA, the LA yeah. matchup. I don't know if they get rid of that. I don't know, but is that like a ratings game? Like I know that's an event, but those are, those two teams don't have a big draw to them. Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, one just won a Super Bowl and the, the other. The Jets are just such, you know, they're big ticket right now. And it's so weird. Yeah, that's true. You know, just to see national analysts and, talking about the Jets. Is... And you know what's great? Yeah, the, the Giants were on their bye week, so this is the the first time we get the full. Every single time the Jets have won, the Giants have won. Yeah, so they kind of get matched outcomes other than the first week. Yeah, and so they kind of just get a New York is yes, New it's York New York, York football. It's so. not Jets. And this week we finally we get the full Jets attention. The, the limelight is on the Jets this week, and oh man, so good. And I think how many times do you think we'll watch uh, this game? Yeah, at I'm least, gonna be watching it a lot, especially least, got two weeks to watch it. At least ten times, probably. Yeah, yeah and I said I was gonna that look sounds... at this earlier, but their last pre bye week win was 2015 when they won the London game against the Dolphins. So it's it's Who, been a minute. They, they played the 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 Redskins coming out of there or the Commander football. Team. Yeah, Kirk Cousins, <laughs> his first year as the starter. Oh, that's that right. Game. So it's been it's definitely been a while since we've been able to enjoy a pre bye week win. It's a nice it's a nice feeling to have two weeks of a win instead of two weeks of a loss. <sighs> Michael feels good to do a victory potty again. Feels good. Lie. Last week, last week was tough. The, on, and the week before that was tough too. Cause the Broncos game was just. It felt was, like they lost the last two. Yeah. <laughs> so this, it feels nice to be back in a, in a winning mood. Green Bay was the peak before this. And it was kind of looking like it was going to stay that way, but then you get this and now you're right back up. And actually, actually it's a good spot for you to put that sound bite in here. I want you to put the word out there. We back up. Yeah, we back up, baby. Follow us at CYJ Pod on Twitter. Michael, Michael underscore Nania. Myself, Ben W. Blessington. Go to JetsXFactor.com. Best place to go for Jets content. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. It helps out the pod a ton. I think that's it. Michael, last thoughts? Um, Man, I mean, again, I'm just, I'm just going to not ramble, but like this is so fun. This is why we... <laughs> 
this keep is going. why we watch the team. You know, like how much have we put up with? This is why we lift all them weights. Just to get to this point. How many weights have we lifted? How many tough days in the gym just to be able to get to how this many, point how many, right how many, here? Yeah, how many, how many hours have we spent talking meaningless Jets football on this podcast? It's like every single moment you spend talking about it is this is why you do it. This is why you talk about who's going to be our kicker this year. Like who's going to be our second string running back. <laughs> who are we going to draft in the fourth round? Who like, what's Jacob Martin going to contribute to the team? This all is, these this other is random why, signings. This is why you neglect all other facets of your life. All other facets <laughs> of your life to listen to two hours of us talking about <laughs> some of the most minute details of this roster. All of that is because you wanted to contribute to creating these memorable moments right here where your team actually goes out there and you know experiences glory beats up on another team and shows the world that they they are to be taken seriously this is why you do all of it so uh the, you really got to soak in these moments and just enjoy it as much as you possibly can because the entire year you know your team only plays 17 games out of a 365 day calendar and too many times the majority of those games don't matter you're not invested. You're just watching it because it's a hobby, but it's not something that you really can put your emotions into. That's what this team has been the past few years. It's just like, you know, I'm going to watch, I'm going to evaluate players, but now we're like fully invested and in just living and dying with every play. And it's, it's exhilarating and it's fun when you win. Man, it's <laughs> been, yeah, the, yeah. Yeah. The winning is pretty important. And, you know, most seasons end in heartbreak and I'm sure that we'll have plenty other down moments, but these moments it's like the end of the Sopranos season one, where he's like, "These are the moments." From you didn't, you didn't watch the Sopranos, Michael. Michael's what? How long? How, I'm going to really throw you under the bus right now. You you made it through what? Like one episode, and you're like, "I, I think was watch boring. one or two. No, that's you like, got to stick with it. No, you got to stick with. That's the point. Just get through the first season. The, uh, the first season is great. Don't, don't close out the podcast. I know everyone's closing it right now. No, stick with it. Stick with it. It gets good. But the, at the end of the season, the, the end of the first season, when he's like, so you're saying it's like when the Jets lost by 15 to the Bengals and they were one and two. You're like, don't turn it off. Yes. Keep going. No, I think, okay, whatever. We're getting way off the rails here. Or is that offensive to say that it's equal to the one and two start? No, because then you go back and watch the first season of the Sopranos and you're like, this is amazing. But like, I I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, all right, like you're still trying to figure out what's happening, but just get through it. I promise it'll be worth it. Some Jets references in there too. All right, we'll, we'll be done. All right. Thank you everybody for listening. Have a great week. Enjoy it. We'll be back on Friday. Go Jets. Now you like it? I finally did it. There you go. It's a little better when my voice is hoarse, though.